All right, uh, Inappropriate Earl, we're back uh, live. This is our second kick of the can. And, uh, you know, last week when I did this show, my favorite pro wrestler died uh, the day before, Kamala. And uh, today, my favorite drummer from the 80s died from Quiet Riot, Frankie Benali. So uh, I dedicate uh, this episode to uh, Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. So that reunion just got a lot tougher to pull off. Because <laughs> the singer's dead, too. So... Uh, but that's not why I'm here tonight to it's talk about. It's gonna be about. a real quiet, right? With right. no singer. Well, it was quiet for the last thirty years for that band. <laughs> but a lot of people don't know this about Quiet Riot. Uh, they were the only band, only metal band, to ever debut at number one with uh, Metal Health. Oh wow! They had two hits, both covers, so that probably wasn't a good sign for long-term uh, success. But hey, it was the '80s. <laughs> And I can see viewership dropping already that I'm going into Quiet Riot's <laughs> discography. Now, I have uh, my guest today. He's been on Inappropriate Earl before in the home studio. But we have a lot in common. I respect him a lot. Some reasons I can't get into. It's a, uh, it's a new era in the world of stand-up and uh, roast battle. Mm-hmm. Some things we can talk about. Some things we probably shouldn't. <laughs> so, uh, but he has the number one album right now on iTunes Comedy. Give it up for the Comedy Store iconic character, Jay Light. Hello, thank you for having me, Earl. Dude, you're one of the good guys in this business. That's right there in the title of the album, "Good Guy with a Gun." Go buy it. Where now? Let's get the plugs out of get the, the plug way. Out of the way. iTunes, Spotify, yep. Amazon. Yep. Where Deezer, Title. Uh, I put it on YouTube today. If you're cheap, oh, you don't want to subscribe to anything. How do, so? Is it a uh, um, a visual? Uh, can people see you doing the set, or is no, just audio? Just audio. I put a little. I put a little like fancy moving background on there. But there's a lot on the album anyway. It's more than just stand up. So it's got a whole. It's got a whole picture for you. Well, explain to us what. How uh, how did you go about forming the album? Is this your first album? First album. That's right. And uh, me and Chandler were just talking about this. We find that comics, uh, bands, uh, their first maybe album or two are the best because you put in 10 years' worth of work Mm -hmm. to get that one album out. Um, And then with each album, you get a little like lazy or or whatever it may be. Uh, How did you go about putting this album together? Well, I I mean, I'd been... I've been doing stand-up for, at the time, about, about coming up on nine years. It'll be ten years for me in October. Did you start out here? No, I started in North Carolina. Home out, of Ric Flair. Yeah. I was out in uh, doing school out there, and then I moved to L.A., and then uh, I got in. I did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival last year. And so once I got in, I was like, you know what? This is the time, because you have to perform an hour show there every night of the festival. So I was like, I'm going to get the album ready. I'm going to get the set ready. So I booked to do a lot of long sets on the road and in town. Uh, then I went to Scotland for the festival. I ran the hour a bunch, every, you know, pretty much every night. We had a couple cancellations because I was like at 11.45 p.m. in a nowhere part of town. So sometimes nobody showed up. This was, them, them's the breaks. Really? Like there, you'd show up to the venue and there'd be an empty room? Yes. And then I would wait around for 10 minutes, and then there would continue to be an empty room. And then we had to shut down. Like, what, what, 
like how do you go about getting a crowd? Like you're an American comic, you, mm-hmm. like guys like you and I probably aren't known there. So right. how did you go about trying to get a crowd? There? I had to literally go out and bark. I had to get, I had to print out a bunch of flyers with my face and my show info on it, and I just go out and try and give them to people and convince them to come to my show. And, and I'd talk to people in like the afternoon, and they'd be like, "What time's your show? It sounds cool." I'd say 11:45 p.m. You have to go. We have to walk like a mile. To get to the venue, and they're like, "Ah, fuck that! I'm, I'm, I'm not coming by." So it was literally like stragglers who we would get in off the street, and uh, I had my buddy Michael D'Angelo who would come out there, and he would help me out with barking. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was good to run it at least for like a small crowd every night because when you run it for a small crowd, you can really hear when the shit works versus when it doesn't work. It's very obvious when something doesn't work when zero out of the ten people in the room are laughing at it. That would not deter me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll grind a joke into the ground if I like it. Like you have jokes, uh, you know, like I do. Like I just love the jokes, so it's like, hey, this one's for me. I, I love the jokes, man. It's a very. I have a joke. I come from the writing first, so I come from the jokes. But then I wrote. So I performed it a bunch. I recorded the stand up, and I'm working with uh, with Coach T, Roast Battle, extraordinaire DJ, the quickest mind. In that show, he's so great, masterful producer, Grammy nominated, and Comedy Central still wanted to use their music guy. Mm. Crazy. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why all the executives got fired. <laughs> but this isn't about that. This is about your album. Uh, but Coach and I were talking about it, and we wanted it to not feel like just another white guy telling jokes on a stand-up album. Those are a dime a dozen. So we put in some sketches. We put in a roast battle right in the middle of it. Me versus Nicole Buchanan. And uh, he put in some music, and we kind of formed it all. He uh, he worked his magic over the course of a couple months, and then uh, that was it. We had it all ready to go in like February of this year. Label picked it up, the uh, All Things Comedy and Eight Hundred Pound Gorilla, and then they released it last week. And what's the feedback been so far? It's been really good. Do you look at the reviews? Because like. <laughs> You know, I, I remember after my season of Roast Battle, someone said, hey, they're talking about you on Reddit. And I'm like, oh, cool, what's Reddit? And I go on there, I'm like, Jesus Christ, the death threats. And like, Reddit is full of the most fucking sad people. I posted clips from the album that, like, I, I'd done them as regular sets. It just had a clip for them and posted them on Reddit. And people on Reddit are like, this is bad. Why would you, I hope you quit. You should, this person clearly doesn't know what they're doing. I'm like, well, fucking... All right. Okay. I mean, I have to let you just kind of got to let it wash over you. Just be like, yeah, these people are going to hate me no matter what. So yeah. Just move on with it. I mean, uh, YouTube comments, get ready for those. Those can be brutal. <sighs> oh, uh, God. But I always, uh, I don't really care what people like YouTube commenters think. It's like if David Tell comes up to me and says, hey, man, you maybe could have done this joke better, I'll listen to him. But like, you know, obviously you want people to like your stuff, but. I consider the source. Yeah. Well, YouTube commenters are like writing their comments just like angrily jacking off the whole time, too. Nothing wrong with that. That's just how they are. You know, they're just feeding off of rage. And then we're going to comment and be like, oh, that's my that's my fucking rage come. Yeah, because I look at them as like they don't have the balls to do what you and I do Mm -hmm. uh, or anyone else who does comedy. In a weird way, I almost admire bad comics more than I do good ones. Oh, man. Because they know they're bad. Yeah. And they still do it. This is like Roast Battle. I could watch Johnny Stewart Roast Battle all day, and he's horrible at it. But it was just the way he did it. He puts on a fucking show. He does something, but like, <laughs> I've always like, 
admired people who probably go, I'm probably not good at this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So guys like you and I, we're good enough. We put it out. But we're in the worst category. Right. White guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just the way it is. That's why I had to set it apart. It was like, I can't just be another white guy. So we're going to throw some other stuff on there. We made it real good. And I feel it's been getting a lot of good feedback, feeling uh, you know, feeling the love on the social media and the reviews and stuff so far. So I'm happy with that. Now, what, uh, you know, I'm sure in the normal world, you got a tour planned and, uh, you know, headline American Comedy Company or, or, you know, go up and down the West Coast, Canada. But now, how do you, other than social media, go about promoting an album when you can't, like, physically do shows? I, I mean... All I have is just like, hey, go listen to this thing. All right, I'm trying now. I'm trying to dig up like old tapes that I have of, of old long sets and shit that I've done. Just editing those together, seeing what I can pull up. Because it's all, it's all. I can't do anything. Like I remember when we talked about releasing the album right around now. Everybody in the conversation was like, you know, people will be going back to work. People will be driving. They'll hear it on the radio or they'll pull it up on their Spotify or whatever. But now it's like it's a total fucking crapshoot. Nobody knows. So I'm just I'm happy it's out. That's all that really matters to me. It's like it's out there. I don't have to wor- worry about like working on any of the material ever again. Any shows I do from here on out, it's like you have a stamp. I've got the calling card of like this is what this is what I do. And now I can just go from there and work on the better shit. Didn't you do a show recently with Moses in San Diego? Yeah, one of the last shows at American Comedy Company before they had to shut down. Last shows inside. What? Well, uh- I, I, I don't know what the rules are in San Diego where they shut down because uh, they had too many people close to each other or no they were very they were very safe they were doing everything right they'd gotten you know the the county health inspector to come in and they gave them the approval everything was spaced out everything was distanced people were wearing masks it was it was it was well run but then it's just one of those things where like as soon as the government uh, statewide mandate comes down saying hey you can't do stuff inside so they have to operate based on that. Yeah, I believe uh, right now we're currently five of the six things that the government checks off we're good on. So I think the last thing now is uh, hospitalizations. Yep. And as soon as they go down, I think live comedy will be uh, allowed in some form. We'll see. I mean, I know there's people doing it in the park. Like, I know there's some there's a show at Pan Pacific Park in the amphitheater out there on I've seen, Saturdays. Uh, pictures of it. I'd rather not do comedy. <laughs> And one guy, you know, this is what gets me about L.A. comedy. This guy posted he was in front of 40 people. I won't say his name. His first name is Richard. Uh, he's like, oh, it was great. I was in front of 40 people. I'm like, dude, I'm getting three-quarter shot of this picture frame. I don't see one other person in it. Were they all like... Yeah, that's the hard... Because, like, if you're booking a show... Like, if you were booking a shitty bar show beforehand, at least you had some way you could angle the shot to make it look like on right. camera that it's full. You can't do that in the middle of a day when there's nobody hanging out at the park, when there's, like, people skateboarding and families having a picnic in the background. Yeah, the, this amphitheater, there's no line. There weren't 30 people in this amphitheater. But, mm-hmm. like, it's all you can do right now. I mean, I know we were doing... Uh, shows here in the OR where you know the comic is in the front window and the pat but then I guess that wasn't uh, that's not kosher but not cool I don't understand why that wasn't cool though like they're protected from us we're protected from them yeah it's red light district shit we're literally like dancing for them in the window yeah and it's not it's not okay I don't understand I mean I saw Jamar in the front window do like an hour and I'm like dude like 
And everyone wanted me to go on. I'm like, you guys all bombed, and now you want to watch me bomb. That ain't happening. And then Jamar's sticking his ass on the window, and uh, like, it's like, I'm not touching that mic. You know what I'm really interested to see is, did you see they did drive-in specials? I think uh, Erica Rhodes. Yeah, Erica uh, Rhodes did one. Dave Hellum did one. Esther Steinberg and <laughs> Daniel Webb. Well, two of the four I'd like to see. <laughs> I'm not going to ask which two of the four for the names. Um, well, yeah, it's probably better. I'm trying to be less uh, honest. But it's no laughs. It's all like flashing lights and honking. I feel like a honk is very aggressive. I don't want to hear a honk in a response. I feel like I would snap into like heckler mode if that happened. I mean, I tried a few Instagram lives uh, when this first started. Cause I, I got to perform. I, I just can't not. It's the longest I've ever gone without performing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they were horrible. They're like, and two of them were mine. I'm like, this is brutal. Uh, I need to hear a laugh. Like you said, I I can't hear or see an emoji pop up uh, or like flashing lights. Uh, but I don't see comedy coming back till 2021. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong too, because I think I mean, but but every, all signs point to that being the case. I just heard that I was talking to Frank Castillo outside, and he has he said there's a new. Uh, Mandate about to come down from Gavin Newsom next week about what the state's going to do in response to uh, the current caseload down here. Well, I can't wait for that. Yeah, can't wait for uh, it's like it's like Groundhog Day. We're just getting six more weeks of shitty Zoom shows. But book me on your shitty Zoom shows, please. I want to do new material. He's a better comic than I am. Don't book me on your shitty Zoom shows because I did. Here's the thing about Zoom shows. I did one. And it was terrible. I do rehab shows every now and again. Which I love. They're like great. Like an AA a house, a halfway house, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I would do those, and it's like, uh, you know, I would do those in person, and I've been doing them for a little while, and the people there are, sometimes they're cool, and sometimes they're not, and it's like any audience. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're a shitty audience. So it happens this time, the shitty audience is because they're like all, uh, like they're detoxing, and they're on Suboxone, and they can't feel anything. But this time, I did one where it was literally like a teenage halfway house. And so it was, we had to work clean. And I'm not the cleanest comic already. So then I'm rifling through and just like, tr- like trying to riff on like their horrible vape rigs that they have. And I'm just trying to riff. And at one point, they were like getting up to go get snacks during my performance. I, if I can call it a performance, it, it's really not the good, <laughs> the best way to describe it. But I did that and I was just so demoralized because like nobody, they're already not laughing. And then they're like, do material, like quit trying to riff with us. And I was like, oh, fuck. So then I, I was like, you know, I don't need this. But then I did one this week and it was the first time I'd done one in, in months. And it was way better. I mean, I think the problem with those rehab shows, uh, is that they're all coming off of something, whether it be heroin or cocaine or, or booze or weed or yeah. uh, Oxycontin. So you've got like a minute to grab their attention. Otherwise, you're just going to go fulfill their new addiction of cigarettes. Right. Uh, so, and I don't like it when people tell me to be clean. It's like, you know the drill. You saw me wherever you saw me, you know. I am who I am. Like, I, see, I think you hurt the comic when you hinder their act. Yeah. 
I used to do I used to do a rehab show at this place in Encino that no longer exists. Um, but it was it was a detox facility. So people would come in there. It was like the detox center that you would go to before you either went to jail or you went to an, uh, like a fancy rehab. So you're in there for like a three day or a five day hold, and. And people would come in in the, like their terrible robes and their slippers, just feeling like the worst they've probably ever felt. And they're just like eating ice cream. And when those people would laugh, it would be great. But if you walked those people, it felt like you were just going to help them relapse. Like, uh, yeah, heroin was much better than this. I'd rather go be puking in my fucking trash can and shitting my brains out in bed, detoxing and feeling the chills than I mean- listen to this. I think the worst gig I ever did was a hospice. Like, you know, you did a hospice. I mean, I was oh, probably God. two years in, three years in, and I was desperate. And uh, this guy, he didn't really tell me what the gig was. He's like, yeah, you'll be in front of an audience. And I'm like, great. <laughs> Sounds good to me. And I went there, and it's literally people dying. And, and they gathered them all in one room. And, you know, five And I was pretty green at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And one guy fell out of his wheelchair and, like, started pissing himself. And I'm like, man, this comedy gig might not be for me. But was he laughing as he pissed himself? I <laughs> To be honest with you, know he wasn't. I was bombing pretty hard. Uh, you know, I've bombed from time to time. Uh, what's the worst gig you've ever done? I mean, the worst, probably some of those Edinburgh gigs. I had one night where I was... Uh uh, the way they have it work is they have somebody come in. It's like the comedy awards, and they go send judges to all the comedy shows. Uh, and uh, I had this night come in where I, I had a small crowd already. It was like seven people, and then the clearly somebody who's like from the judge uh, committee came in to watch my set. They had like a notebook and they were writing stuff down. I walked them. Like, they stayed for maybe 10 minutes, and then they walked. And I was like, well, shit. And then more people started to walk. I got to about 30 minutes, maybe 35. There were two guys who'd been laughing for a little while, and then they stopped laughing. And then they were like... They, they, I, I was in between jokes, and they said, "Hey, sorry, mate, we're not, you know, you're just not our cup of tea." And really? then they fucking they got up and left, and that was so it was so heartbreaking in the moment. But then there were two, there were like three other people in there who stayed, and they were like, "Oh, I'm sorry, those audiences are shitty." And I was like, "You know what? We left all the shitty people behind because the good people are here now, and they were the ones who were they 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 were great. They turned me around." But Edinburgh fucking breaks your... It destroys you. I cried getting a foot massage like three days into Edinburgh because I was just... I had, I had two nights of canceled shows. I had I was like, what is... Did I ruin... Like, did I spend a month on rent in right. addition to another month on rent to like come out here for this? Is this what it's going to be? And like I went and got a foot massage and I was just crying and the lady was like asking if I was okay. But after that, I had a, I had a good run of shows after that. So it all worked out. I mean, I've never had the balls to do it because uh, I'm like, I'm not hoofing it around for a month hoping there's a crowd. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you know, and I'm a lot older than you, I'm like, no, nah, I need guaranteed crowds. <laughs> I need lodging that's not at the shanty town end. And, uh, you know, so I like Omid Singh does it. He, yep. he goes every year. Oh, uh, man. Omid, the, me and Omid last year, we, we fucking bonded. Omid broke up with his girlfriend while he was out there. Good for him. And then uh, we had, like, we went and got food, and he was just sad, and I was, we're all sad. It's all, it's raining all the time. Everybody's just, just like, mentally and physically destroyed. 
but it, you bond over it. Oh, Omid was with me in Montreal. Like he's such a nice guy. He's like, dude, you don't have to pay me. I just I want to be at the festival. I just want to experience it. Can I sleep with you? Not like sexually, but like just in my room. Uh, and uh, we just stayed in the room and bonded. I, like I always liked him, mm-hmm. but like he's a good dude. He's a good dude. I fucking love Omid. There's not a lot of good dudes or women in this business. There are some, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. Maybe the older I'm getting, I just. I'm cutting out the bullshitters in this business. I think that's all you can do after a certain point, right? Like, you just got to make sure that you're operating in a place where you feel good about who you're interacting with and who you're working with. Yeah, like, I love seeing you. Uh, I love Omid. I love seeing you. Well, I mean, dude, it's been a while. Like, you're one of my favorite people. And, uh, you know, I wish we saw each other more. Yeah. But I get, you know, with no shows... Specifically, like, how do we see each other? Like, uh, you know, seeing that, uh, you know, Roast Battle's not... I mean, they're doing something every Friday night right. here. But we're not, like, walking... Like, I used to see you when you'd be walking Lois every now and again, because we live pretty close to yeah. each other. But now it's like, I'm not leaving the house hardly at all. And I'm sure you're probably about the same about the same spot. I mean, I do, but I wear one of these things. And if everyone wore one, uh, we'd be doing live comedy. But no, you guys got to be rebels. Uh, I don't recognize... If I run into people on the street who I know wearing a mask, I usually don't recognize them. But I, I know I would recognize you for sure. Because you wear like the same outfit every time I see you outside. You've always got like your, your red shorts and your red visor. And then you're wearing like a hockey shirt of some kind. Or Not 80s. a jersey. Yeah, or an 80s band. Well, it was so hot recently. Uh, I, I was throwing. I threw away like ten hockey jerseys because uh, I just don't wear them anymore. It's it's too fucking hot. And then it hit a cold stretch. This is right around the riots. I mean the protests. <laughs> and uh, this homeless kid the next day is taking all my jerseys out of the trash bin. And I'm like, oh, those are mine. Do you want some more? He's like, yeah. Me and my friends get cold at night. And uh, so I gave him a bunch more, and then like the next day, a bunch of people were sending me social media pics of like these hobos wearing Skakel jerseys. <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny. You know, I try and get back. That's all you can do. But like we got to hang a lot once a week when you know like Roast Battle was in its prime, and like you know it was a little show that could, and like yeah. so I miss those days. It's you a know. different time, man. When I was working the door here, I saw you all the time, and even after when I was still hanging out here a lot. Yeah. See you all the time. You know, Monday nights, you know, we'd always see each other at Potluck, which is, you know, amazing when it's when it's firing on all cylinders and now no one, you know, sees each other cuz it's it's just I don't know. I mean, I still don't believe this is happening that you know, this pandemic that started off of a dirty toilet seat in China. <laughs> I, Bat took a shit. Well, I mean, somebody ate a bat's ass. They, they someone. Did, it was either the bat. Someone ate the bat, and then they got on a plane, or a worker from that dog market uh, sat on a dirty toilet seat. And I, I just, it blows me away that you know now we're having hockey playoffs in July because of someone sat in a dirty toilet seat. Mm-hmm. But I do think hockey has the formula for like safe entertainment because they've had uh, you know they have a bubble in Toronto and Edmonton they've had like 8,000 tests okay. and one positive that's good so in football I don't know what football's in football they're not going to be in a bubble though so I'm, I'm worried about I don't think football is coming back I think everybody's confident in the NFL but I think football is wind- going to wind up 
not working out. I mean, I think it'll be like baseball where, you know, some teams are doing, like the Dodgers haven't had one game canceled, but then like Florida got it. Mm -hmm. And then they had to cancel, like, I don't know how they're doing it. Like two or three teams haven't played like but 10 games. Right. Uh, And I think football will be the same way. I think. I think Jerry Jones will. It's, I say this as a Dallas guy. I, D- Jerry Jones is a piece of shit, but he's a rich piece of shit, and that means he can fund a bubble in the Dallas Fort Worth area. He could probably fund a bubble in Texas. Like he could get all the Texas teams, all the ones that are nearby. You get you, you get Arizona over there. You get uh, you get uh, the Saints over there. I mean, I hope so. I mean, I, I just think it's the players, like that one guy, uh, Kawhi Leonard on the Clippers, he left the bubble to go to a funeral, and then, you know, like the next night he's seen at a strip club at like four in the morning, and then he goes back in, what if he got something? Like in hockey, they're like, no, you're not leaving. No mm-hmm. one's leaving. There's already a lot of bodily, f- like if you get a tooth knocked into your, back into your face, like you get a, you catch a punch wrong, you get some blood on your hand or in your mouth or yeah. something, you get some COVID blood. <laughs> All bets are off. I mean, there's a guy in the Canadians. This shows this is why I like hockey so much. And I, I don't want to turn this into a hockey podcast, but like I mean, it's good because I don't know shit about hockey. The, well, the numbers will really drop. Like if we start talking hockey, it's bad enough we start with Frankie Benali's death, Quiet Riot. But uh, Brendan Gallagher of uh, the Canadians broke his jaw, cross check into the into the face, broke his jaw, still play the rest of the game, and like you just don't see that with other sports. Like, mm-hmm. If Sean Kemp, not Sean Kemp, he's too busy having kids. Uh, if uh, Dwight Howard broke anything on his body, he'd be like, I'm out. Oh, yeah. I just hockey players, I think it's because most of them grew up in Canada. They're just tougher. Yeah. So, uh, I watched, you ever watch that show Letter Kenny? The great K. Trevor Wilson. Yes. Great, great show. K. Trevor Wilson, so fucking funny on that. But that show's got a lot of hockey stuff in there. I watched all of that during quarantine. Like, that was one of the first shows I binged. But I learned so much about hockey from watching that show, and especially, like, the way Canadians approach hockey. Like, I had no idea how fucking deep it went. It's religion to them. Yeah. I think in America, we don't... Like, I would say North Carolina is probably basketball is, like, the equivalent yeah. of what Canada looks at hockey as. And Texas has football. High school football in Texas is, like, pro football. Like, oh, my God, man. Uh, I, I, I mean, my high school team, I would watch games that were just so... Like, everybody's playing on this such an elite caliber. Right. Right? They're, like, literally teams in our district that were... There would be people... I don't know if they were like uh, if they recruited them or if they had a whole like basically like there's this team uh, Trinity Trinity and Ulysses they had an entire team that was Tongans <laughs> those and, are like Samoans yes and they were all they're like 17 18 years old but they look like jacked 30 year old men. And they're all just like they're doing the haka before games. They're intimidating the fuck out of these wimpy teens who are just like the best corn-fed white guy that they can dig up. But like they, those kids are so good. They were in like Nike commercials, and they were wrecking shop. And all these guys go on to play pro in at least some degree. But I went to college at like a like a liberal arts school, and I watched no football after that because even those games were way worse than any high school football game I'd ever seen. Well, it's like the Little League World Series. Uh, you know, you get that one team from the Dominican Republican. <laughs> like, they're all like 6'2", facial hair. Right. They're only like 14, and then you see like a team from Pennsylvania, and they're like little white guys, and like it's, it's unfair. Yeah. Um, but back to comedy. <laughs> we're talking about young boys. I mean, 
you know, well, I better stop there. Well, that's not all their flavor. I mean, listen, I... If we're talking about young girls, it'd be a whole different situation. Well, I got one rule. They got to be over 18. But, uh, you know, not all of our comrades uh, believe in that rule. But uh, anyway, uh, what do you think the first thing you'll do when shows are back up and running? I mean, like, like, say January. Like, will you tour? Will you go back to doing stand-up here? Like, I'd like to. I mean, I was... I was doing uh, a, a mix of like writing jobs and working the road or doing shows in town. I had a pretty good groove going. I'd like to be able to go out and tour with the album a little bit, but you know, I have no idea when that's going to be. So I feel like it all kind of deter- comes down to like what's going to happen with live comedy. Like I've got writing work lined up for uh, a couple months at least. Can you say on what? Weeks. Probably can't. Oh, really? I know. Well, one of On them TV shows. Or? It's a TV show. Okay. One of them. One of them. I, I can because uh, I, we. I was already working on it before everything shut down. Uh, Master Chef. Oh, I love Master Chef. Chef's great. Right jokes Ramsey? for Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, he's a great guy. Love writing jokes for Gordon. See, I was an eater once on Hell's Kitchen because I knew the casting director, and he's like, "Dude, you be sat at the first table, so you're guaranteed to eat." And I really wanted to go to see if he was. Like a dick, like, or is he just do it for the cameras and wants the camera? I mean, at least the show I was at, he was the dick. Like, they'd take a break, he'd yell at them, and like, wow, this food's not that good. First of all, I'll be honest with you, <laughs> my uh, beef Wellington was a little cold, but it was a free meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, writing for him, uh, like. I mean, does he say, hey, this is... Like, you know what kind of personality he has. Do you tailor to, like, dry and acerbic wit? Or do you put your humor and say, hey, this is how I would tell it? It's easy to do, Gordon, because he already... Like, he and I, think, already have sort of a similar comedic sensibility in terms of, like... Gordon is known as a very, like, roasty kind of guy, right? (laughs) Like, I remember I tried getting him to come to hang out at Roast Battle a couple times. But it's just too late for him. He's got, like, five kids. He's got a whole family. He's shooting, like, three shows at the same time whenever he's working on one. So he's busy. Like, he can't come out and hang out at, like, 11 o'clock at night on a Tuesday at the comedy store. But anytime I would write for Gordon, it just, like, you have to put your finger up and you talk like this. And it's very, and you just do this thing. And this is Gordon. And then there are a couple other judges who you have to get you have to sort of make them like there's one guy who's always basically like the butt of the joke and then there's this other guy uh, uh, that was a Roan who's always the butt of the joke he's just like a big he's a, like a big goofy Mexican dude and then uh, Joe Bastianich is very like even drier than Gordon Probably. like because Gor- here's the thing with, with MasterChef at least and, and Kitchen Nightmares too which I've never written on but I fucking love that show Gordon at the end of the day really does care about people and he wants people to, to do well so like he'll show shit on you but he's shitting on you with a point right to try and like elevate what you're doing but joe joe's coming at it from the business perspective so he's like i can't serve this shit this is garbage get out of here so he's like he if i were writing something that was like in in his voice i felt like i had a little bit more license to go like mean as opposed to gordon where it's like bombastic but he's like a dad like he's a, like he's a he's a he's a dad he he's mad at you for some shit you did but he still loves you at the end of the day I mean, I am obsessed with Hell's Kitchen. Like, you know, it's on like its 20th season, and like it just blows me away that, like, in the season finale, the two finalists, which are the two best, are like burning rice. It's like, oh man, I wonder your restaurants like are struggling. Like, I don't know. 
But, you know, it's it's coming back for another season. So. Yeah. What do I know? But MasterChef's coming back, theoretically, I think uh, October. Because we shut down mid-production. We were shooting a season, and then COVID hit. And we uh, we shut down, like, right... Uh, I think we were in the last shows that was still actively shooting, actually. I think it was us. Holy Moly had shut down right before us. I remember this because they had gotten they had gotten word. Other people on Holy Moly were like, "Yeah, we had to shut down," and then we were like, "All right, well, we're up. we're we're got, we got to be up next. Like, there's no way that we're going anywhere. Like, they're outdoors. We're inside in this kitchen. This is not going to happen." Uh, do you do uh, the kids version of Master Chef too? I do, and that's coming back in the fall. So that's going to be on. You'll get to see finally see the the work I did for that last year. Kids Master Chef is great. Oh, it's so much fun. But I lose it when the little kids start to cry. You know, it's... that happens a lot this season. There's uh, there's a lot there's a lot of tears, but it's okay. Uh, joining us right now, uh, speaking of holy moly, I, I'm really the worst writer on this uh, podcast right now. Uh, I'm more of a performer. Thank you very much. Uh, is Chandler Barbie writer on Holy Moly? Hi. Yeah. And well, because she uh, head comedy writer, we'll get it right. Woo! Well, there you go. Welcome to my world, guys. Uh, I gotta live with her uh, because they were starting the Australian Holy Moly here, and then uh, they shut it down, right? Yeah. So we, they kind of, since it was an Australian production, they were like, "We're gonna give you the week to get your shit together and finish, pretty uh-huh. much." And then we were outside, and rain hit, and it destroyed two of our holes. So then. Two days were gone, so when we started back, I think, I won't blow up someone, but I think someone on our set came to work sick at that ah, point. Ah, shit. And then Rob was just like, I'm out. I'm done. I, I'm, I can't catch anything, so they shut us down. And so now I'm going to Australia, and I have to quarantine for two weeks to finish the show. So. And I imagine Gordon's very... Uh much like Rob, like, hey, I can't get sick. I got mm-hmm. kids, and, and he yeah. travels all the time too. Because yeah. he, you know, he had that show, uh, the the one for National Geographic, where he's like traveling all around the world. And he would already like there'd be days when we would lose him early because he would go to like Dubai for something to go work in the Hell's Kitchen restaurant or like open it over there or something or go for like a private event that he had to go do. <laughs> we uh, we almost lost Joe at one point because COVID had just started hitting. We had just started shooting. And he would have, uh, he was supposed to go to Italy for Italy's Got Talent to shoot something over there. And he, we, we almost, like, we, we couldn't work the show without him. They were, they were figuring out a contingency plan, but they were like, we can't do this. The night before, he, f- he was supposed to fly, he was at the airport, and then he got word from his, uh, his reps that they'd worked out a deal where he didn't actually have to leave because they were like you can't you can't leave the show that you're actually like actively shooting instead of this thing you're going to go do a one off for. Right. So Thank he God. stayed, but we were I mean we would have been shot way earlier. Like we at least got I think like 10 or 11 episodes in the can at least, but mm. I mean who knows. It's going to be weird to see what it looks like in October when we come back. Yeah. If you do come back. Like no there, I hope so. People still don't know. Like Yeah. yeah. Um I mean it's still uh I think the problem in California, anyways, with Newsom, and I'm not like, I don't vote, so uh, it's like the facts aren't really out there for like the common people. So we don't know. It changes a lot too. I feel like like we we shot a few promos for the season finale of Holy Moly, and I had to get tested. I have to get tested a lot more because I'm in the room with the two hosts, mm-hmm. and. 
I found out I'd been working with them for a few days, and then I find out all of a sudden I'm supposed to get tested. So I go. We had a shoot in a day, and then they're like, no, no, it's fine. Just don't tell anyone that you don't have your results back yet. And I'm like, that's might be not okay. Maybe maybe not. Maybe should it's a bad I, idea. <laughs> should I just stay in the writer's room? They're like, no, 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 no. We need you. And I'm like, ah, we don't know. How. They're like, you're healthy. And I'm like, that doesn't. Right. Because I don't, because now they're saying, um, I can't wear a mask with the ventilator. Like, you know how they have... Yeah, yeah, with the little ventilator. Why not? Because they say that it protects you from everyone else, but it blows out dirty air, so it doesn't protect everyone else. Well, if everyone else is wearing a mask, it would. But but that's what I'm saying, is like, so now if I wore that on a plane, they'd kick me off the plane. So I'm like, what is the... The rules change so much. I don't know what mask is okay and what... If I'm supposed to wear a face shield. Or- I think the way that people reacted to masks really, like... Re- re- the information that we got about masks really fucked the response for a while. Mm-hmm. Because nobody knew, like, they were, at first they were saying, don't wear a mask, it's not going to do anything. Because they were trying to save up the supplies for the medical professionals who needed, like, the N95s and the respirators. But then people were like, well, I don't need to wear a mask. But everybody's saying, okay, well, you should wear a mask. At a bare... Like, wear a cloth mask because it, it reduces transmission. Like, you can look at the stats and show it does reduce transmission by a significant amount. Yeah. But by that point, the, the argument had got, had been too far gone and it became political and then everybody got real up in arms about it. And there's people being like, don't make me wear a muzzle. It's a muzzle. You're like, all right, well, you know, we're trying to save your grandma, but it's okay, I guess. Yeah. Do what you want. Well, I mean, it's real. You know, that's how Kamala died was from COVID. So, uh... I, my grandma went to church, by the way. Yeah. I was worried about because she turned, she's in her 80s. She thinks she turned 83 this year. And she lives in Arkansas, which is not, which is not a great state for, uh, for, for COVID patients yeah. in their yeah. 80s. Um, and she, on her birthday, she, she, she lives alone. And, you know, we, the family's been trying to, like, talk to her more just because we know that she can't really, like, hang out with her friends. She tried to go to church and, they they were like we're not we're not letting anybody in like we you, you you know this we've announced this and she's like please it's my birthday can i just like come watch the stream like inside and they let her in that and they're really so nice sad, but though. it's just like i don't want this is i don't it's weird to hear these stories about my grandma also because like oh what if she died from going to church i had to call my dad and yell at him because he was going to play golf with his buddies and i'm like you, what are you doing you have a lung condition and you're 65 stay mm-hmm. home he's like no one's gonna bother me out there i'm like yes they are you understand (laughs) do you understand science right it's a weird moment when you have to look at your parent be like do you understand what's going on but well i still think there's so much uh anxiety about it and unknown like i i think i always correlate it to it's a lot like when aids first came out not to turn this into a medical podcast. Ah, when AIDS hit that hot drop, the new release. I was there. Oh, number one on the speaking AIDS. of number one hits, AIDS. Congratulations. Yeah. Good well, job. You know, it was less like, helpful than it sounds. It was like you know, at first it was like a gay disease because it was only showing up in like bathhouses, and then straight people started getting it, and then people were like, oh well, and then younger people started getting it, and it's like, oh, who gets it, who doesn't? And I see the same thing with COVID. Like, you see a pro wrestler like Kamala, seventy years old pretty jacked immune system I mean I didn't think a pro wrestler from the 80s would have a good immune system Uh, but then you know young kids are getting it Mm -hmm. so it's just I still think people don't exactly know but is it a part of it we're like eh just let natural selection take it over 
because people were I'm from Alabama and right. people were texting me like there's people throwing COVID, catch COVID parties at the lake. And I was like, I grew up there. If they catch COVID, it's not really a loss for the country, let's be honest. <laughs> let's just let them do what they want to do. Right. Let them go out. It's fine. Like, that, my parents live in Texas, and they're... They're not going out like they are both medical professionals. My mom's a nurse. My dad's a, a surgeon. And they are seeing all of these people in our hometown going out, like hanging out outside without masks, ha- sitting close to each other, just basically like flaunting that they're not going to abide by whatever the safe, the, like the public safety thing is. But my parents, thank God, they're just sitting at home just like... You know, it's it's not as fun, but we'll, like, get takeout and we'll, like, have friends over to the house every once in a while once we feel like we're at that comfort level. Yeah. Like, I'd rather that I'd rather that happen and we figure out ways to, like, deal with the with the COVID loneliness a little mm-hmm. bit more, which I think we're starting to figure out how to do, than put people in danger. Yeah. I mean, our problem is we're, we're running out of things to watch. Like, I literally <laughs> watched season six of Bosch in one day. Like, we just, watched Rock of Love. I'm watching, I watched uh, The Surreal Life today. Wait, wait, was that the one with C.C. DeVille? From no, Boys? the one with Vince Neil. <laughs> well, there you go. Everything's 80s on now this podcast. Now he's going to put that on, and we, we're going to watch that next. I mean, Season I don't want to see that Vince Neil. Like, I want to see the Vince Neil in the spandex and, like, you know, tan looking good. Not. Oh, yeah. This is Vin- Vince Neil's. Re- he was really not feeling himself for this one. But it was also, like, he was in the house with Corey Feldman, and Corey Feldman was just, like, a raw nerve. Like, he was trying to get married on the air, and then he was fighting with his, with his fiance on the air. And then, like, everybody in the house is like, what's your fucking problem? And But, like, Emmanuel Lewis and MC Hammer were there. And MC Hammer was being, like, religious. Like, there's an episode I watched where they, uh, the intro to the house was they they were all hanging out. And they had somebody come in and they did the, the serving sushi on a naked girl thing. And there were, it was three women in the house. And Vince Neal were all like, this is great. This is a ton of fun. And MC Hammer... Emmanuel Lewis and Corey Feldman were all like, oh, this is gross. MC Hammer was like, we shouldn't be exploiting this woman like this. This is ungodly. And everyone else was like, just have it. we're trying to have a good time. Just eat some sushi. Just eat some sushi. Be happy. This is, this is an experience. It's a weird time how when you watch just stuff from 10 years ago, we were watching Rock of Love. I'm like, they... They would never let that be on TV now. The mm-hmm. stuff it's just strippers, which I love strippers. They are the most interesting people to follow on social oh, yeah. media. But they're just wild. They're getting tattoos. They're hammered. He's kissing all of them oh, every night. So gross. I was like, I hope they got tested in that house because it's making me really nervous. But it was. I want that to come back. That's what I want to come back. As a rock of love, yes. I don't want that that coming back. I want a show like that again to come back because it's so insanely ridiculous and fake. Right. I don't want to see the Kardashians anymore. I want to see rock and rollers try to find love when you know it's not going to happen. Well, like to me, it's like okay, season one I could understand happening. Like it's a it's a gimmick. Oh, it's a singer from Poison. They haven't had it. You know, their glory run was a few years ago. You know, get them back in the public eye. But then like. He's clearly not looking for love. And then season two, those 20 girls, like, didn't you watch season one? Like, where are they finding these whores? Right. Season three they wasn't lost. even at a house. It was on a bus. They yeah. Lost, they lost their budget that year. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, we, we watched that. I, I'm watching 24 again just because, you know, she goes to sleep. I'm like, oh, I'll watch a few 
episodes of 24. And yeah. He also watches Ric Flair videos till probably 3 to 4 a.m. I buy that. I see. I could see you like, watching a lot of Ric Flair. Well, when I get over and know, over, we all have depression issues. Like, yeah. And Ric Flair videos make me happy. Like, just I always f- know when he's trying to pump himself up because I'll come downstairs and I just see him like two inches from the screen and it's just Ric Flair on a loop and I'm like, are you are you doing okay? Well, no, he did so many of these wrestling promos that some guy made a four and a half hour best of Ric Flair and there's not one repeated promo and it's just like. But how many times have you watched that promo reel four and a half hours start to finish during <laughs> during the pandemic? To be honest with you, probably five times. You know? You've watched it more than five times. Well, it's longer than like a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Oh, longer absolutely. than Lord of the Rings. Well, I just, uh, I need my entertainment to be simple. I don't want to think. You know, when Ric Flair is talking about uh, effing a fat chick in the front row going, uh, you might be next, but you'll never be first, you know, that makes me laugh. (laughs) You know, he talks about uh, if you're between the ages of 18 and 29, see, even Ric Flair knew the age difference. Uh, He's like, meet me at the Chicago Hyatt tonight. (laughs) And it's like, that makes me laugh. It makes me laugh now. I I can't watch serious stuff during a pandemic. like, we all have depression issues, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, it, and I always bring up Brody from the standpoint of, like, you look at Brody, by every measure how we judge success, he had it. Right. You know, uh, TV shows, uh, festivals, uh, famous friends. Uh, he could kill in every room in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he still wasn't something was missing from his life so you know a guy like me hasn't had half of his success imagine what my brain is like i need my rick flair videos how do you deal with depression uh i do a lot of meditating and i talk to people a lot whenever i'm feeling some kind of way i got a group of friends who i I always feel comfortable calling and talking out the issues with um it's been and I, I, I've been fortunate that during all of this, when I have seen a lot of friends and other people who I who I know and like follow on social media, other comics and stuff, who are going through a really tough time, I feel fortunate that I've still been, you know, at least working. Right? Like I haven't been doing stand up nearly as much. We're all in that boat, if at all. But at least I've been like I've been writing a little bit. I've been working on some stuff, which is nice. So all I can do is like be there for my friends. When they need to talk to me, or when I, when I, because uh, I know that they would be there for me when I was in that time, because that, that that really staves it off for me. Like being able to just air out how I feel about like this is a really fucking complicated decision I have to make, or like this is a this is like I feel this way about like a job that I didn't get, or like because a person's acting a certain way. Like I, I if that affects me, I, I think it's fine to let it affect me, but I have to also be able to talk it out and get it out of my system and really like examine all right what is this what is this bringing up in me what am i feeling this certain way what is it what's my part in it what do i have to do to look at that and how can i uh, operate in a way that keeps me at least like what i'm doing my side of the streets clean if that makes sense, like oh, I've sure. been, and, I, and I try and exercise, and I, I watch dumb. T- I've been watching Pushing Daisies, which is just a, a great, goofy, like super bright colors, very fun show. And I just allow myself to indulge and in, like. I've been playing a lot of video games. Yeah, just like I, you know, I play Rocket League a lot. This is a game. It's like cars playing soccer in a giant stadium, and I'm pretty bad at it, but. 
even if I'm losing, I'm still like having a good time because I get the fucking endorphin rush right. of like, yeah. oh, maybe I'll score a goal, right? Maybe that'll that'll do something. Well, it does. I mean, that's why I play, uh, you know, like Madden, uh, you know, 2020 and the NHL game, you know, and, and uh, the UFC, they have a uh, video game, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I'm too competitive. Like it, yeah. I get so amped up I when I'm playing Madden. I, I get pissed. I throw the clicker against the wall, which is you know. We've almost broken up before over bowling. Games. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm very competitive. You know. <laughs> See, my girl, my girlfriend is very competitive. We we've, we've been doing more date nights too. We've been trying to mm-hmm. keep that alive. But she's been uh, like sometimes we'll take we'll take it real low key and we'll play like a board game. But she's way better at all the board games that we own than I am. To like we play Scrabble and she'll outscore me so early on that I'm like I'm gonna give up and she yeah. but she's just like she's very competitive so she's just trying to play to the best of her abilities and I just can't top that and it's like alright I can either be mad at that or I can just be like alright fucking okay you're, be- it, you're, you're better we get it you're better and then I'm gonna quit and it's like well but why don't you want to keep playing because you're better I don't want to I don't need to I don't need to keep feeling that alright I don't need you to lord over how good you are at playing Scrabble words yeah um is how long have you been dating uh, your girlfriend? Three years. Oh, damn. Longest relationship I've ever been in. Is she in the entertainment business? She is. She is a screenwriter. Smart move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's better to be in the in the same industry but different jobs. Because you yeah. get it, but you're not competitive. Exactly. We're not we're not trying to get the same things. Yeah. Like she understands the lifestyle of like, you know, when when we first started dating, I made it very clear. I was like, hey, listen, I've got this. This is what I got going on. You know, comedy's always going to come real high up for me, and that's not a knock against you. Like I'm there for you, but this is this this will supersede you. Yeah, well, and, I think that's important. I because before I met Earl, I was done dating comedians just because smart move. it's not good for your brain. And Sarah Tiana actually set us up, and I was like, no, hard pass, sorry, not not ever gonna happen again. Um, but it's it's important because I like I think when you date, I'm not a I'm not good at any kind of dating. This is not professional advice mm-hmm. I think it's important that you both have your own interests because you're your own person right completely like I don't need Earl I'm my own person I want to be with Earl and I love him and I think that that's why we work is he has his own life he has his late night he has his podcast he sleeps till noon great right, I fun. write during cool. I, but like that's so different I, Earl expose? I write I write during the day I'm I do UCB. It's a different... So we get comedy, but we get comedy in a different way. Right. So we can talk about the same job. We can talk shit about people if we want to. And oh, we, we do. And we do. Oh, That's yeah. our favorite thing. To do. I love talking shit with, with my girlfriend. Well, you have to have someone... Like, you know, you and I the other day in, in text form were, like, saying things. And, like, it was... I don't know how you felt, but I, could, I felt I like... I got... Oh, it was great. Because you have... That's the thing is, like, I try and not... Uh, in general, I try and exist in in comedy is just like I don't want to I don't want to be like a shitty human being. But there's got you have to be able to talk shit with somebody. Like nobody's nobody's so positive all the time that they're no. exempt from feeling like they need to talk shit about people. Yeah, just make sure you have somebody that you trust that you can do it with. Yeah, that's and, all that really matters. And just remember, uh, people screenshot. And so. I'm always watching. I love the stink. I like to know about people that I'm not even a part of. I just want to know what's going on. 
Mm-hmm. And then I like to watch it. I That's like to watch worlds oh. crumble from a dip from a distance. I have my girlfriend had a she has this Zoom game night group that she meets with every week, mm-hmm. and there was some drama that happened in that over the course of like three weeks where, pe- where she was worried that like some people's friendships were going to end oh, and like it. stuff got canceled. And I was just I'm not involved, but I just love hearing about like oh what's That's he doing him. this time? What's going to go on now? He loves when I come home from like girl nights. He'll be like, "What's the tea? Tell me what's going on." Well. <laughs> And I have to give him an hour whole description. And sometimes he'll forget friends' names, so I have to like pull them up and be like, you know this girl? Mm-hmm. She's a whore. She's yeah, a- I've been... I uh, In the last two weeks, I've made an Instagram girl cry. I destroyed a producer's career through TikTok. And what else did I do? She's no joke, guys. Something else. I, I went rogue. I was really manic the last two weeks, and I was like, you know what? Fuck everyone. I'm sick of everyone being mean to me. Let's burn some bridges. We're all going through bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I've decided I'm taking no prisoners at this point. There you go. Well, you just have to be calculating. And like she asked me before she went in on this uh, producer, can I say the movie? Yeah. Uh, I don't care. Magic, I've already blew her up. Uh, what's it called? Magic. It's called Magic Camp. Magic Camp with Adam Devine. Uh, who? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> out it's now. over. No, he's it's cool. Out now. He's right. a good guy. I remember when the he was Comedy a- Store promoted it. I'll yes. let you all know Jeffrey Tambor's in it. Yeah, and he's got some Me good Too job. problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a shock! A guy who looked like him had Me Too problems. Uh, I remember Devine when he was not a door guy at the Improv, but he had an even shittier job. He was the cashier yeah. guy. Oh like, God. Like, he didn't even get to, like, I don't know, check ID. And I think great. He's done, like, three of my shows in the last year. Like, he's an amazing person. Yeah, great guy. But. Which is why you the, should be nice to yeah. everyone. Because, you know, I saw a lot of people think, oh, this goof and this idiot in the uh, cashier's uh, booth is, like, he's going nowhere. And I'm sure you got that as a door guy. Or, or you know, oh, that's the guy who holds the camera for Roast Battle. And then, like, you are got a number one album now. Mm-hmm. And how many people who made fun of you or me, you know, oh, this guy's fucking older than I all of us. Well, guess what? I've achieved more than all of you. <laughs> Sorry, that's the Ric Flair. That's the Ric Flair. Oh God. That's the problem with watching Ric Flair videos. You, you get, you get real amped it. up. Well, it's like the well, now way. I'm going to know. Now I'm going to now following your Instagram and your social media. Now I'm going to know when you've been watching a lot of Ric Flair videos. Oh, you will I'll definitely see your, I'll know. I'll see your tweet storms now. Well, you know they just uh, a whole different light. Well, but when he'll, she asked start me, start pacing in the house, and that's how I know it's, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Well, when she asked me, like, do you think I should, uh, you know, speak out? On, and I'm like, you know, she said, well, when you did that about roast battle, when you spoke out about uh, my very bad treatment, <clears throat> ratings sunk like a rock when I left. Uh, you know, I said, well, you know, I thought, what are the consequences of me talking about how I was treated? And I thought, well, Comedy Central won't use me. And I'm like, well, they're not using me now. So, like, I, I was comfortable saying what I said. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you're honest when you talk shit, it's not really talking shit. It's mm-hmm. just being honest. Like, if, you know, if someone mistreated you, if I mistreated you, and uh, I don't know, it, in whatever way I would, and you said Earl Skakel's a shitty human. I, that's, I mean, I wouldn't be doing this podcast experience. with you if you yeah. mistreated me. But, you know, I'm just, you know, and like in her case, the, well, you tell the story. Jay is much more eloquent than I am and less bitter. Because I, I don't believe in like subtweeting. I'll just say the source. Mm-hmm. If I really have a problem with someone. And basically, I worked for this producer for four years ago. And I was with her a year and a half. And in that time, she has, she, her claim to fame is Austin Powers movies. Okay. But she's 
respected in Hollywood as a big female producer that works for Disney. And in my year and a half, plus other assistants before me, she is very emotionally abusive. And I was told I was an idiot. I was told I was too go- if I was too goddamn stupid, I should get out of the industry. I had things thrown at me. She, I mean, it was. It'll be a chapter in a book one day right. from the from the shit I took. And this movie in particular, I started looking for other writers assistant jobs because I was like, I need to, I, like, I'm going to kill myself if I stay with this person. Um, and so she figured out, I guess, from what I know, that I was looking for another job. And um, so she, the, the day, so basically she decided to put her daughter in the movie. Okay. And then she would have me drive two hours to go get her daughter, take her to set, because she didn't want to get up early. So this is one of those mornings, a week before wrap. And she fires me in the trailer when she gets to set in front of her daughter, who was 12 years old at the time. <sighs> And Yikes. I was shocked, and I was like, who, well, what's the reason? Because I've done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And she was just, I don't have to give you a reason. Get the fuck out. Like, you're done. So I was like, all right. Went to set, told the UPMs and stuff. Was, and they were like, you know what? Fuck her. You're better off. Um, and later on, I got another job very easily, but she had spread rumors at Disney about me saying that I'd slept with people for my next job. Oh, and okay. they were like, you know what? She has a boyfriend, so I don't think that's her character. Um, and I found out, and to be honest, my life and my career flourished after that, but I hold a grudge. Right. And, and, I, and I can see why. And I don't like bullies. I don't like people. I don't give a fuck who you are. I've told myself for years, no matter what you do, if you wrong someone, if you are abusive, if you're, if you meet to someone, if you're a fucking asshole, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass because people are bullies, bully people who they think are a nobody and, and it can't come back to get them. She kisses everyone else's ass that can get her stuff. So... This movie was the only movie I've ever been fired on and the only movie I've ever lost a credit on out of 40-something movies I've done. Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm bitter. Right. So the movie comes out this past weekend, sees the light of day. Magic camp. <laughs> Should have never come out. There's a lot of fucked up shit that happened on this movie. Um, so, fucked up shit in a Disney movie? Get yeah. out of town. No way. So I just uh, made a TikTok to my 45,000 followers basically saying hey this movie comes out this weekend and this producer i worked for and basically said she was abusive and was kind of like congrats on the movie and fuck you Mm -hmm. and it nothing really happened the first few days and then i woke up one morning and uh it had like forty five thousand views or something and i was like oh fuck and they found her Instagram and started like, oh, <laughs> the tick. You don't mess with the TikTok teens. Oh, the, uh, and I was just like, there's the there's teams. social justice warriors. I have to say, it's like they're like, bro, you're in trouble, girl. Like mm. commenting on her. So there was a moment where I was like, all right, I came to him and I was like, am I gonna get in a lot of trouble for this? And I really had to think. Well, I'm a I'm a I work in comedy, so we kind of have more of a freedom to say whatever. Right. And I don't work for her. And I'm also a writer on the top-rated Disney TV show for the the summer. So I don't think they're going to fire me. Yeah. Uh, So I just let it ride. And I never signed an NDA either. So you can't do... Yeah, if you're not not breaking an NDA, 
the truth, the beauty. Ah, uh, shout out to uh, my media law and ethics professor. Truth is the absolute defense to libel. All right. So if you got a truthful claim that happened, you experienced that. You know, maybe they might try and. What what's the worst they can do? Try and get you tied up in court get over me some civil bullshit. Down. Yeah. Well, it's too. I have I have screenshots from five years ago of her doing like some really illegal stuff. Oh. So I'm like. Yeah. Try what's me. the worst thing that's going to happen? You're not going to be in Magic Camp too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't be a bad person. Magic Camp, more like Tragic Camp. Hello, hey, that's hello. the roast battle, Jace. Uh, back in roast battle mode, mm. uh, but you know, I, I ended up getting Clusterfest because right. uh, I had the head of Comedy Central in New York because I was dumb enough to give my cell phone number out on the podcast, yeah. and uh, he he basically called me up and was like, "Hey, dude, what can we do to get you to shut up?" Basically, well, that's kind of <laughs> like I like when people stand up for the voiceless because it's like you can't you can't treat people like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought a lot about how when Rogan went up to Mencina and was like, "You can't be," was it Mencina? You mean Ned Hoff? And was like, you can't be stealing people's jokes, right. motherfucker. And no one liked him for that for a while. And look at him now. He's a $100 million podcast deal. So right. it all works out in the end. Karma rewards the ones who stand up for the people. Mm-hmm. And I had execs calling me after saying it was funny. So stand up for what's right is what I'm saying. If the cons aren't bad it's hard to do in this business yeah. well it is cause but because like, it because it act because to some degree it actively makes it more difficult yeah but i people who you have worked with who value that and who value your talent and your abilities they're going to value that more than oh they they called this person out for this shit that they put them through yeah like that at the end of the day that's the thing that I think is what's going to tide. Tide's going to turn in that direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to be honest. I think if you talk shit, and you know, if I were if I were just bitter and said, "Well, Jay Light's album sucks," you know, it's just well, I'm just jealous because I don't have the balls to put an album out. Right. So I'm just trying to like, you know, feel better by putting you down. Uh, and you know, I think as long as you're honest, it's great to speak mm-hmm. your mind. And you know, you're right though. It, it is. You know, we need the business more than it needs us, I guess, because there's a hundred. Yeah, I think the I think the real trick is like, at least for me, it's been whenever I feel weird about uh, and resentful about like other like other people's success or something, or like the way other people are like, if they if somebody gets something, and if I'm reacting to it in the place of like, oh well, that they don't fucking deserve that, blah blah blah, like that's not the right place to approach it from. Mm-hmm. That means that I need to look at like, all right, what is this? What what am I really thinking about here? And where is this a reflection on like what I am holding on to that doesn't really involve this person necessarily, right? Because they they didn't wrong me because they got something that I didn't get. It's all about like I have to figure out how can I how can I figure out how to deal with those feelings and then keep working on my own in a way that doesn't. I don't fuck around with those feelings and just and go forward. Yeah, I, I think that's something everyone in this business struggles with because, mm-hmm. especially when I was younger, it's you don't you don't want to not root for your friends, but you're also like, oh fuck, that could have been me. Mm-hmm. So it's a difficult thing. I think that everyone goes through. I I remember when I was younger, I was on a movie and uh, 
I was upset that this girl slept with the director who I I was friends with and I was trying to get like advice about work from and he looks at me and he was like let me tell you something you're never gonna sleep your way to the top you're only gonna sleep your way to the middle so don't fucking cry about her and I was like all right and from that day on I never I never cared about and I, that, it's a that's a girl guys do it too but that's a thing that I you have to remember Jay's like this girl <laughs> no I'm, I'm digging it I'm watching Earl because Earl's just been sitting back letting us do our own podcast Sorry. for no, the past but like I 20 like minutes that. so like <laughs> because uh, and he's re- I don't know what the comments are oh, saying the but. comments are crazy Earl where's the Jimmy Carr advice great guy a guy loses to me gets his own show out of it that's uh, <laughs> you know, but, but is that talking shit or is that real it's real <laughs> hey Earl we, we can't do the haters on TV and then I see Cena holding my microphone season 3 Lies. <laughs> that Slar Brothers battle was fantastic. Can you tell we listened to the Rose Battle podcast last night? Oh man! I hey, can I actually can I tell a story about you guys that I that I love? Did you? Did you see our sex tape? Have no, but lunch. When I all right, so I remember when you guys first started seeing each other, and I was wor- I was still working the door here at the time, and I remember it was a, I think it was a potluck night. It might it might have been a different night because you had a set. I remember this. Earl had a set, and I was working in the OR, and he brought you. I think it was the first time that he brought you to the store, Chandler, Big to mistake. like hang out and watch and hang out with him. And you were in a booth. Sorry. Dude, oh, hey. dude, can you can you hang for a minute? <laughs> I love you. I don't want to interrupt. Dude, what do you mean? I love you, Earl. I love you guys. You can have my dude, spot. Dude, just let me see. Burn, come back in 10 minutes. <laughs> he, uh... Guess not. <laughs> he can't if you want. Come on out, Steve. Um, so you were so we'd sat you in a booth. You are right here in the corner, uh-huh. I think. And uh, I remember Earl was like, I'm with this girl. This girl, I really like her. And uh, I was like, you know what you should do? You should do uh, uh, Buffalo Bill. Oh, my God. This is the night I, I realized I was going to marry him. <laughs> not even fucking... And I told you you should... Because you were nervous about it. And I was like, you got to do it. Well, you know... Because you hadn't done it in forever, either. Well, because it's the Me Too stuff. And like you know, uh, even though I would hide my hog, you know, st- still one he person. Almost got me too. I almost got me too from that night. You did? Oh yeah. my god, dude! It's a whole story that Whew. I've never really told publicly. But it's funny for us because I that that I wasn't feeling him on the date because I was just like, I'm not. <laughs> oh shit! And then that Silence of the Lambs is my favorite book and movie. Okay. And he was like, I was like, oh, I was Buffalo Bill for Halloween one year. And he's like, I do a Buffalo Bill bit. And then we're at the store and he runs up to me. I guess you had told him to do it. Yep. And he's like, I'm doing this and it's only because you're here. And then he does it. And when he does it on stage, it was like something inside of me was like, you're going to marry that psychopath. <laughs> I am Cupid. Yeah. Well, I'm a cherub angel and yeah. I brought you two together. You did it because I might have left him after that night if it hadn't happened. But then like the next day I get an email uh, <laughs> from the store management. It says know, Earl, stop showing your pee-pee to people. It was like uh, someone complained that you uh, rubbed your dick on them. I'm like, well, that didn't that happen. That didn't happen. Oh, I, I mean, it's like, you know, there was I think there was like 20 people in here that night. Yeah, it was late. It was like, it was, it was post-midnight, I think. And so I was like, well, that didn't happen. You just look at the tapes. But then... Uh, you know, someone had made up a phony account and, and was saying, well, I'm going to sue the store, I'm going to sue you, I'm going to do all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it got as high up as the comedy store lawyer. And he's like, hey, we know, you know, we have a, uh internet, I guess, investigator. He's like, we know it's a fake account. So, But, you know, it's like, 
in this day and age with an accusation of anything like once it's out there on twitter or or uh, instagram or wherever like you're cooked if it's true or not mm-hmm. so well it would help that it's not true though because then you can emphatically say that it's not true and not have to yeah. put up a statement that doesn't really address a whole lot Oh yeah, well, I mean, uh, but you know, that's another podcast. You didn't get caught. You didn't get caught up in the lifestyle. You know, that's oh, not- <laughs> well. I mean, uh, you can if you want. <laughs> a lot of it's quiet- a dark room. Well, I mean, but there's high def cameras in here, so like, there I'm like are. okay, yeah. they know I didn't oh. do it, but still, you know, like, you know, I could send out a tweet tonight saying Jay Light touched my pee pee uh, when the podcast was off air, and, and you people know, would say lucky. It's, mm-hmm. Well, you know, the guy with the number one album on iTunes touched your right. pee pee. Oh, <laughs> but like you know, I can say something horrible about you on Twitter, like, and like it, once it's out there, it's like it's out there, and you could deny it and say, "Well, I, n- I never touched her," uh, or you know, whatever I would accuse you of. And but you know, like uh, the lunch mob mentality on on social media can be, uh, you know, like you said, if it's not true, you're you're golden. But sometimes even if it's not true and it's out there long enough you kind of get mm-hmm. fucked over that's the other thing that I have to try to get off as much of uh, is social media being mm-hmm. sc- like the doom scrolling and endlessly looking through people's feeds that really fucking got to my head for a while and people lie mm-hmm. they love to lie at w- what they're doing and I'm like you didn't do that mm-hmm. but you're gonna try to make me feel like shit yep and it's all about pu- it's pumping up your own yeah. ego and then you're watching it and you're like well my ego's getting deflated because yeah. why why can't I be in this cool place Place, right? Why can't I take these fun, sexy pictures? I think about that all the time. Why can't? Why is nobody taking fun, sexy pictures of me yeah. on a lounge chair? Mike, you got me. Yeah. All right, let's take some boudoir photos. I uh, mean, it, it gets the likes. I need to get. A, I need to listen. I need some fodder for my upcoming <laughs> four-year anniversary for next year. Take a nice dick pic, dude. I, I got a lot of mileage. Oh, of I know. Pic. I know you did. It is like the. Uh, you know the uh, Sistine Chapel of dick pics, but uh, you know also That's got me in trouble. Anymore. It's not Daddy Man is. I, not- I did date a girl once when I first moved out to L.A. We'd been dating for a few years. We did long distance. We got back together here in L.A. and uh, she wanted me to make her a dick pic calendar. <laughs> And I, I wrote a joke about it because it was just, like, so absurd. And then we broke up after she requested. But, like, that, I mean, that's that's, that's a pretty, vi- like, I can make that. Right? You could hire people who will help you take your dick and all the right, like, diorama oh, yeah. photographs to get that dick pic calendar out there. I, I told Earl I wanted us to make Daddy Man dildos of his PP and sell them. That's a great. That's great merch. I think it's funny. Well, oh, that's almost as could. good as a roasting teddy bears. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> you can get, you can still get your dick molded. I bet. I bet you that's probably a COVID safe business. Well, I'm a little old to be yeah. getting your dick molded, but <laughs> no, you do like you don't have to do like a paper mache yeah. or anything. They have the technology. Yeah, right? it's, well, it's like the Kiss has a song called Plaster Caster, and what it was was about uh, the '70s. Uh, groupie who would sleep with all these rock stars, Gene Simmons included, and afterwards she would be like, hey, can I take a mold of your dick? And, you know, I just want to, it has a oh, memento. Wow. So she has like hundreds of, like, she has Mick Jagger. It's probably worth so much money. God, that's so, a fucking cool trophy case. They yeah. should do that Have for that in your office. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, my dad collects golf balls. That's a way cooler collection. Dicks, Cele- yeah. rock star dicks. Oh yeah, I, I'll put that in his in his bar at home any Earl, day instead. Uh, Earl would even buy that. I'm gonna collect roasting teddy bears. 
All right. Do you want to just like start roast? Like he's no, a sub- no. Do you know what I don't like about Earl? Earl the is half in. He's a subtweeter. <laughs> Go all in. When I call people out, I add them. I like uh, be real. If you're gonna fucking, I'm do as it, real as it gets. Come on. Where's the Ric Flair? Ric Flair points them out. Woo! Listen, I was in the Viacom building talking about what an awful job Comedy Central was doing. <clears throat> then I was never used again. But <laughs> but hey, Viacom also guys. figured that out too. Comedy Central. Almost yeah, all see you guys. Comedy Central is probably never going to be used again. I, mean, I know it's weird, but I'd still like to it's be so on it. Surreal. Like as much as I you know joke about like the network, I, I'd still like to have a special on Comedy Central I, but or they, Netflix. They, they cut specials so poorly at Comedy Central. I don't understand why they have analytical producers. Working for them, it doesn't make any sense. Like Tiana, Sarah Tiana, and she said this to me before too. But I remember when she, they cut her special so badly that it would leave on the weirdest jokes and have commercials, and it's like it didn't flow. And she and they gave her no creative ability to mm-hmm. give an input, and that's such a fucked up thing to do to an artist. I think personally, so that's why I have a beef with Comedy Central. I don't think that they have the right producers in there, the right execs, because they think about money and time, and they don't think about the artist. I think it's very telling that the two most recent big specials that Comedy Central has put themselves behind have been releases that were shot by the comic Mm -hmm. on their own dime, and then they were just bought. Sam Merrill, Joe List, both great specials, super... Super bare bones as far as shooting, right? They maybe two, three camera setup in the club, but they're so they're they got millions of views on YouTube. They did it all themselves. That's the that's the model we're going to now. Well, that's the millennial model because we had YouTube. We started with YouTube because we thought, you know what, I want to perform and no one's going to give me the chance. Living in. Alabama or Ohio, so I'll mm-hmm. put my shit on YouTube. That's where Bo Burnham started, and I think Bo Burnham is the fucking genius, genius of yes. this generation. I She's I love Bo Burnham. I watched what was his what was his most recent special, Make, the Netflix one. Oh, uh, Make Happy. Make Happy. I watched that right at the beginning of when I started. It was like right in the midpoint for quarantine, where I was like feeling weird about comedy and missing stand up a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I I watched Bo's special, and I just got I was like, this is on another level. It, I've watched it so many times. When so I, I remember when I first saw it, because I'd just seen Kanye West in concert, so I knew the concert he was talking about. Uh-huh. And I saw the ending, and it was like, I related to it because he was talking about, he's like, I, f- I hate you all because mm-hmm. I have anxiety, mm-hmm. but I also need you all because mm-hmm. I want to perform. But then it was like funny with the Chipotle. I was just like, this is another level of something. I think I'm a decent writer, but I want your brain because you're a smart person. Right. And I understand you because I understand you and my niece at 16 understands you and she's not even a comic. So like the fact that you can do that for an audience, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's remarkable. I, I, I listened to that closing song and repeat so many mm-hmm. times after that because it's just like what the, the line. It's like uh, come and laugh, paid the bucks to laugh at the skinny white kid who cannot yeah. uh, entertain himself or something like yeah. that. It's, but the, I'm butchering it. Sorry, Bo, if you're listening. I don't know if I don't know if Bo Burnham I have a feeling he's down. not. <laughs> but that it got to me because yeah. I was like, I get that. Yeah, that's. Or when I don't, he, I, I feel that he's playing the piano at the very closing scene in his house. They like cut to that. Yeah, and he's like, every time I get happy, 
I'm not because I feel like it's gonna go away. Like I need to be sad, and he even knows. I do my quarantine was the best for me because I thrive alone and in a dark place. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, it, the best, and I. So I, when I saw that, I was like, I understand because he's like, my dad was right. I'm never gonna be happy because I don't want to be happy because I need to do this. And I was like, this is. You're doing it right. Right. My girlfriend is like that, too. She yeah. gets... She's very... When we first started dating, she was writing a, a movie for Hallmark. And we were talking about it before we even hung out. But she, like, puts herself under this intense pressure. Mm-hmm. And, like, procrastinates to the point where she's feeling like, well, I have to get this out yeah. now. I have no I have no choice. And yep. there's like you have to strike the balance of like where does that where where can you work in that environment and that element where it like it suits you, but also how do you do that in a way that like doesn't self sabotage? It's a tricky cause, balance because that's even when we first started dating. My boss was like, "You're too happy, like you're because you're neglecting this the work." Because I was writing for Fox NFL, and he was like, "You're not getting sketches out in time because you're because you're, Daddy you're, Man was taking care of business." <laughs> Because you're living your life, you're happy for once, and it's like, yeah. But then it's a, it is a weird balance where I have to be, and I procrastinate, and then I, then I think I self hate for a few weeks, and then I dis- disappear, like I disappear from everyone, and I get it out, and then I'm like, it's done. Here we go. Mm-hmm. It's, and then I'm happy again. It's a roller coaster. I like to thrive on my bitterness. <laughs> I'm like the ultimate warrior. You know, he was bitter for 20 years, and then he forgave everyone that weekend at WrestleMania, and then on Monday he died of a heart attack. So. When uh, I asked, I told Earl to... <laughs> no, he, is, like, he literally was happiest when he was... The greatest YouTube video, if I can turn you and everyone, even if you're not a wrestling fan, I recommend this YouTube video to everyone. It's called Warrior Shoots on Hogan. And in the wrestling world, shooting means you, you, you speak your mind. Like, okay. it's real. And for an hour, he's in his garage talking shit about Hulk Hogan, how he hates him, how he's a serial cocaine abuser, how his wife's a whore. And it's the greatest. It's, he, I've never seen someone interview themselves for an hour. And he was just so bitter and so real. And then, you know, he forgave everyone, and he's dead 24 hours later. Man. I told Earl a few months ago to give up the Piven thing. I couldn't do it. And he just starts yelling from Rambo, nothing's over. And I'm like, all right, but that's from a movie. It is from um, a movie. But he, I was like, y- you've, you've already called him out. We got to move on to something else. He's like, no, no. And I was like, what, whatever drives you at this point. What drives me is Jeremy Piven got me tooed out of Hollywood. And his first thought is, hey, let's do stand up. I will, that was one of my favorite moments in Roast Battle when you came back and called him out. Another move I didn't get paid for. Everyone's favorite moment. Great moment. Well, I mean... Uh, <laughs> but where's that? Because when I'm mad at you, I'm like, where's that, Earl? Because if you... You can't subtweet. You got to go in. If you're going to go in on Jeremy Piven, you got to go in on everyone. You got to be all or nothing. Well, the problem is there's so many bullshitters in comedy, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, all these palmers. Well, there are. I mean, listen, uh, when I looked up at the roast battle uh, judging panel one night and it was like just uh, friends of Jeff just hanging out. Instagram models. uh, Instagram models. And like, you know, I remember like when that show was 
pumping. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, Dave Chappelle, uh, you know, Jason Reitman. Yep. And then we... <laughs> I remember Michael Keaton came by the week after the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Just I mean, sat in the back. Didn't even, didn't, even, didn't even say anything. Didn't want to. But just hang out. He was there. Just wanted to be there. Jim Carrey, like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, like, I think right before I left the show, I, I looked up and I was like, oh, man, this is not, you know, I don't respect these people as comics, let alone their opinions on, you know, joke writing, which the judges are essentially saying, Jay, you're a better joke writer than Earl. You won that round or, you know, whatever. So, you know, what can I do? I, I'm honest. I get shit on. I, now, now they want me to name names. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say anything about wanting you to name names. I'll let, I'll let Chandler people, take that fully on that. People tell me to name names. That's what he's saying to me all week. He's like, do it. What's what's going to happen? Jeremy Piven, Madison Sinclair selling fucking teddy bears. They're called petty bears, Earl. I mean, petty bears. Shouldn't you have at least gotten on the goddamn television show? Or just not have Jeff Ross uh, promote your show. I, we might have to cut this uh, part <laughs> out. I mean, and, and some of you uh, at the Baldwin Roast taking pictures on the red carpet two hours after the thing was over, acting like you were in on it. God damn it. You guys are shameless. <laughs> I'm going to get kicked out of the comedy store. Ah, fuck. Jay. So you can get the album. It's on iTunes. Yes. You can get it wherever. It's called Good Guy with a Gun. Good Seriously, though, gun. it's a really good... I, I, I'm really proud of it. And I don't... I don't... It's hard to be, like, proud of your own work, yeah. I think, in comedy, because we're all fucked up people and we don't like to take credit for the shit we did. But I feel I feel really good about this. I worked with Coach on it. A lot of great other folks were involved in it. Nicole Buchanan, uh, Coach T, of course, Quincy Weekly, uh, Gene Whitney, my buddy Sean O'Connor did voices for it. it. It came together in a really special, cool way. I'm really happy with it. So go listen to it. Go listen. I don't listen. ask you guys for much. I really don't. I want you to buy his album. It's what is it? Nine bucks on nine bucks iTunes. On nine dollars. This guy is literally did comedy for ten years. Put this album out, and you know, nine bucks. Come on. Also, you know? support artists. It's yes. It's a hard time. It is a hard time, especially for and like we're entertaining. us. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna you know, provide a service, you know. Yeah. Support it. I know my fucking value. Yeah. All right, go buy it. It's nine dollars. Nine dollars. Don't go on YouTube, and you can. I guess it's free on YouTube. I put it up for free on YouTube just because. Why not? But like, I just want people to hear it. But, but it's nine fucking dollars, and it's quality material sketches. And let me tell you, the people that helped him with it, Coach T, is like the greatest mind. He's the greatest comedy mind I've ever been around. Like, so fast. He's a fucking genius. Uh, you know, I mean, that one time I was up there and did a Boys in the Hood joke, and he had the sound clip of Cuba Gooding going, Ricky! And he hit mm-hmm. it as soon as I did the joke. I still to this day, like, he has 80,000 sound clips. How he and I don't tell him, hey, I might do a Boys in the Hood, like you know, cue it up, you know. So the fact that he's on it is like enough for you guys to buy it. Uh, where can people find you on like social media and all that stuff? You can find me at, at Diet J on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, it's J Light on YouTube. And I got a podcast called Blockbusting that you should check out too. If you I like. did that right, you did a long. You were like episode nine. I'd like to come back. Come back. I think we did Rockstar. We did Rockstar. Great Marky Mark movie. But you hated it. That's the whole premise of the podcast. Not that great. Well, it was, uh, you know... So you talk about movies you hate and why you hate them. It was... 
Rockstar was like a parody of the 80s, which is, uh, I wish they would have taken it a little more seriously. Uh, but, you know, Chandler Barbie. Yeah. You want to name the producer who wronged you? It's Suzanne Todd. Suzanne Todd. Look her up on Instagram. Maybe comment. You heard about her on the she's, show. She's deleting comments as we talk. So. So, uh, and I'm just at Earl's. Watch, watch the season finale of Holy Moly next Thursday. Yeah, Rob Riggle, Joe Tessitore. Uh, great job, ABC. Uh, I was a Joe Tessitore fan. You paired him with a fucking guy named Booger McFarland, who, like, when the Steelers were down by 10 points with two minutes left, his gym was, the Steelers have to score. Well, no shit, Booger. Ah, uh, Booger. Shout out to Booger. You fired the wrong guy. Joe Tessitore should still be the voice of Monday Night Football. Not Steve Levy, who's a hockey guy. God damn. Is Comedy Central <laughs> running Monday Night Football? They might have to now in syndication. They need the money. Well, they need something because the roast battle tits drier than the fucking desert. Do you see why I don't take Earl to pitches anymore? Because <laughs> I keep it real. I am Rambo in the hardware store. It was your war, not my war. Nothing's over. <laughs> you asked me. I didn't ask you. Yeah, he's just. Sorry, guys. Hey, guys. What's up? There's yeah, everything's cool. Everything's cool. I got the patio thinking. Oh my God, someone's gonna, <laughs> you know, go nuts in the comedy store. I'm just being honest. I was wrong by the network. Which Sorry would, if it's a big laugh for you. Which would be worse to happen at the comedy store right now? Literally right now, like a coronavirus outbreak or a mass shooting? I can't tell which would be worse at this point. Honestly, Uh-oh. well, one would be over quicker. That's true. And. I've always wanted. No, I'm not going to make the joke. Say it, say it. You know, you call me out. I'm not. Oh, I've no subtweets. Yeah. I was just going to say I've always wanted to be a part of a mass shooting, but that's. Well, headline would be though. Number the guy number one comedy album and the lead writer of Holy Moly, and the other guy. The other guy, the guy from Roast Battle season one. Great. Yeah, I mean, the last time there was a shooting here, they didn't say that Roast Battle was happening while the shooting happened. They should have. Huh? Would have gotten us on TV a lot sooner. Yeah. What oh the well. Fuck? well. Yeah. Well, Comedy Central probably would have found a way to fuck that up too. <laughs> Comedy Central is over. No, it's not. Nothing's over. Comedy Central isn't over. They're, they asked me. I didn't ask them. They're not getting paid anymore. In there. Hey, Earl. We're gonna have Blake Griffin on. He's never done it before. Should go well. You know, if you believe in Comedy Central this much, maybe they'll hire you to be an exec. Maybe they can head. You can be the Honestly? head. Honestly, you. If I would have been booking the battles, they would have been people who actually knew each other. Did but you write anyway. on the roast of Alec Baldwin? No. Thank. Okay. Cool. I, I sent Be in a glad. couple jokes, but I did not. I did not. I was not in the writer's room for it. I did, a little, I did a little ghost writing. That's what he did. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. Well, I That's just wrote better. for Dr. Ken. I was actually a writer on the roast. Do you think they put my name on the fucking credits? No. It was like an open mic sign up list. <laughs> Earl's losing his mind. We better cut the feed. <laughs> Earl's gone mad. Jay wants to get out of here so people can buy his album. You guys can leave anytime you want. I'll stay up here. What are you going to talk about? Burning bridges. <laughs> I'll be 52 next month. New faces ain't calling me. I'm still waiting for a callback on Killborn from 2006. Are you still using your headshots that you spent three grand on? Spent three grand to be at Interface Model Management. Three fucking grand. I show up, it's a guy in an alley with a fucking viewfinder. I'm like, is this three grand worth? But I thought, why not? 
And then the guy tried to touch my pee-pee, and I got out of there. Can you imagine if you got sexually assaulted? I wish I did. I was an altar boy and in the Boy Scouts. No one touched me. Right now I'm doing bits. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably the time I should call Maybe Mark were... Stevens, see if he can come down and Whenever close out the show. I think he's out in the back, so oh, don't, I'm sure don't he is. fate. Do you ever think the kids that don't get molested is just because they're ugly kids? I was a good-looking kid. Well, you didn't get molested. So. If anything, you'd mess, molest the ugly kids because nobody believed that it happened to them. <laughs> good point. That's actually... Hmm. Well, Something to think about. I think now that we're talking about uh, molesting kids, it's probably a good time to uh, cut the feed. I'm sure uh, Mike's hopefully cut it already. Uh, but uh, Mike Schmidt on the ones and twos, we couldn't do this without him. But seriously, uh, I love you, dude. I love um, you. Thanks so much for having me again. Please. It's, great to, it's great to see you both. And Thanks. you guys are both both welcome. Return guest, new guest. She'd be great on busting. Thank you for uh, making Earl take his clothes off on our second day. I'm so I'm so glad to hear that that's part. That's why you guys stuck I it out. I oh, legitimately was really like, warms my heart. I'm gonna marry this person because that. All you girls fucked up out there. Th- may you have could... had the longest line, but not anymore. Uh, y'all... Mine's broken. You guys all thought... You... And we're just talking about that dick. Also, That's if anyone touches him, line. they'll fucking die. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you guys in chat. and uh, Buy the damn album. Thank you, Franco. Uh, let me see. Uh, some guy just uh, wrote Booger. That's, uh, that's why I don't... Um... Take care. Uh, oh, here come the Callan comments. Uh, I, we got to cut it now. <laughs> uh, Shout out to uh, Innovative Artist and CAA. Goodbye, yeah. Kellen. And yeah. goodbye, Inappropriate Earl. Oh, yeah. I guess uh, <laughs> all these comics taking pot shots at comics going down, except for the ones who can still hire for your writing gigs. You oh, real quiet on those. Do you think it's lonely for a lot of comedians this week since their girlfriends went back to school? And that's it. Let's get out of here. All you, and I know there's, I know there's some fake, uh, I know there's some comics <laughs> listening. You got one rule you have to, just make sure they're 18. That's all you have to do. Take a picture of their driver's license. Just quiz them. What year were you born? And then they, they fudge, uh, uh, and get rid of them. Toss them. One thing, you can do everything you want. <laughs> you got money, you got fat houses, cars. One thing you can't do. You know, it's it's nice that like on most podcasts, at the end people skip through the plugs. But now we got to the plugs, and then there's just 20 minutes of us rambling about pedophiles in comedy that they can just skip through instead. Hey, but there are pedophiles burn in it comedy. Down. That's it's true. my motto. Fucking burn it down. It's me too. Time's up. Weinstein started it, and we're gonna finish it by exposing you pigs. Oh, yeah, my old boss was friends with the lady from Jeffrey Epstein. What's her name? Giselle. Uh, Giselle Maxwell. She booked a good comedy room on the island. Ghislaine. Well, she's got her own problems, uh, but uh, you got who's headlining Little St. James? Who's uh, going out there? Well, 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 I mean, I, I mean, how I much could, are they paying? I mean, I'm not. Oh, you know, if Jeffrey Epstein had, yeah, a, they only pay you in massages. You don't want to go out there. Oh well. If Jeffrey Epstein had a comedy club on that island, people would still try to get bookings on it. You pigs. I would be a pedophile's dream because I look really young, but I'm like 27. Which is a good way to end this podcast. You can date a girl who looks 16. They just can't be 16. That's from the daddy man. <laughs> oh, God. At Earl Skakel, E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L. This has uh, been, uh, hopefully we do this every week at the Comedy Store, although I hope this, uh, <laughs> you know, this might be the last time. We, we cover a lot of topics. But if there's one topic you remember, it's by J-Light's comedy album. 
Good Guy with a Gun. Available now. It's Thank literally... You. It's already number one, so you know it's good. It's number one. It's yeah, I had to beat out seven Jim Gaffigan albums to do that. That's yeah. hard. And but, Bo Burnham. And do you know and the Bo machine... Burnham. And Kyle Kinane, who's one of my all-time favorites. I love Kyle Kinane. So. But do you know the machine that Jim Gaffigan has behind with Alex Murray? Oh, now I'm mentioning managers. Uh, like... <laughs> You know, they've got major machines behind them. J-Light doesn't have... I mean, uh, do you have representation? I got a manager. She's great. Okay, well, see, I didn't know that. But, hey, listen. Don't blow your manager up. I'm not going to blow her up. They need help. She's great. No, I didn't know... But, you know, like... You know, all these comedy albums, it's all algorithms and bullshit and J-Lights. You know, come on. Let's be he, real. He fucked the system. He, no, he did he, it right. He did it right. That's he put out a quality album. He's got a great manager. But, you know... You're, you know who I actually honestly have to thank for a lot? I mean, I I've obviously thank you to the teams, my own reps and ATC and uh, 800-pound gorilla. But honestly, Coach T's the one who made me wait to release it till a label picked it up. Because oh, Coach good. was like, this is too good to just leave. So let it let, let let's wait for he somebody. Gets it. Also, side note, I was heard you talking about Edinburgh earlier. I was there last year. That I don't I get what you're saying. That fucking sucks. It's a fucking night. I didn't even know we got to talk about Edinburgh. People are nuts. <laughs> oh my god. Well, because sometimes American humor doesn't translate. Yeah. yeah, I had to throw out like all of my football jokes. I was I there for improv, so ooh. Yeah, it's not. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so so next I get week. it. I'm like, if he got any laughs, good job. Well, next week, if I'm allowed back. Well, no, I mean, like, when I wrote for Dr. Ken, he was over there, and uh, he wasn't at Edinburgh, but he was in London and, and Scotland doing uh, filming, I think, The Masked Singer. And he, so he would try out his jokes in these, you know, comedy rooms that, like, they didn't know who uh, Caitlyn Jenner was. They didn't know who, you know... Uh, like Adam Carolla was, so right. he's doing the. And I don't know how well Nikki is known, Nikki Glazer. I mean, the know. only reason I had jokes about like mass shootings and stuff. The only reason those worked is because one happened like right at the beginning of the festival in Texas, the El Paso one. Right, uh-huh. and I was like, "Look, it's topical. I can explain. Look, at this this is what happened." They're like, oh, okay. Because they don't have guns in the UK. Yeah. They banned them. Yep. They just drink. Mm-hmm. The sun never goes down. It's kind of nice. But like a lot of American comics go to Australia and they uh, do very well because I think they are more Americanized, I yeah. guess. So, uh, idiots. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Americanized. Jesus Christ. They made a star out of Yahoo Serious. Come on. The guy was fucking. All right. All right. Now that we're bringing up Yahoo Serious, who literally hasn't had a movie in 30 years, it's a good book into Quiet Riot's career. Uh, Jay by the album Chandler Barbie watched uh, the season finale of Holy Moly uh, watch the jellies if you want to hear uh, Daddy Man in cartoon form uh, thank you Tyler the creator uh, it's on Adult Swim streaming and uh, watch I'm Dying up here if you if you blink you'll miss my scenes it's but on late night it's on late night it's a true story about the comedy store and all that stuff uh, Melissa Leo was a joy to work with and uh, I just want to say uh in closing, uh, that uh, stand-up comedy in Los Angeles is really a fucking joy. And I think it's awesome that comics sell merch uh, when they don't have ten minutes of material. So uh, buy a pencil from a comic, uh, buy a t-shirt, buy a -A Build-A-Bear. Buy a cameo. I'm I'm coming out. Yeah, buy a cameo. Great, great. You fucking cameo motherfuckers. Jeremy Piven charging $400. I get these bikini twats who do comedy charging 40 bucks. If you got to charge your fans to talk to you, then you're a shitty comic. 
I mean, I think I look pretty good in a bikini. Or oh, are you so. on Cameo? My bad. Go to J-Light's Cameo at uh, J-Light Comedy on Cameo. What do you charge, That was almost going to be the name of my album was Bikini Twat, but I figured they, they, they said the, that numbers didn't go that way. And uh, enjoy, uh, you know, it, and never mind. I'm going to get in trouble if I say that. Uh, so, uh, you know, let's all treat each other nicer. And remember, it's not bitter if it's honest. We'll be back next week, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs>